Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. struggling with my days of the week right now. Um, Mike McNamara for a Thursday edition of All Marine Radio, right here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. Hope your Thursday is going as you scripted it. Um, yeah, the uh, Mensa Brothers going to join me here after I take a look at the news. So... You have uh, you have that going for you. Yeah, uh, we recorded it last night, and um, We talk about Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. Um, I, I essentially took uh, the email and text, and I kind of ranked him. number of things people asked about uh, during the three weeks that uh, we were gone <coughs> when I was speaking was, uh, was thoughts on Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, what is Marine Corps doing, blah, 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 blah. And um, so... We talk about that, and the next thing we we talk about, and that is um, is the hearings that have gone on in the House and the Senate on Afghanistan, and the statements of um, the Secretary of Defense, General Milley, uh, that came out, um, and what those, in fact, um, meant for 
Afghanistan. And uh, so we talk about uh, we talk about Afghanistan as well. So uh, you'll hear that here in uh, in I don't know what, as soon as I get done with the news this morning. And so uh, here on this uh, on this Thursday, the seventh day of October, for God's sakes. Yeah, kind of amazing, kind of amazing. If you missed it last night, great baseball game. Uh, in fact, the last the two the last two nights. Uh, Great baseball drama. Uh, Yankees, Red Sox, always good. And uh, even though the Yankees did not win, um, you know, it's uh, it's fall and baseball season's going. And so uh, you get a chance to watch a lot of baseball. And the pitch-to-pitch drama of postseason baseball is is the best. You know, it's, it's great. And last night, um, Dodgers, Cardinals go into the bottom of the ninth, tied one-to-one. And uh, walk off home run, you know. Uh, yeah, and uh, for the Dodgers, and uh, you know, to me, there's this moment when the ball comes off the bat that I love, right? And you see the guys in the dugout; they know, right? Because they watch so much baseball. When it comes off the bat, they know. They know by the swing. They know by the sound. And they they see the trajectory, and you see them react to it first, and then then you hear this this crescendo as the crowd sees it, and then it goes in two phases, and then when it clears the fence, there's a second there's a second octave. So, I love that stuff. I love that stuff. Last night, high drama in Dodger Stadium, and today. Um, uh, the baseball playoffs, and this is if you're a baseball fan. This is um, this is really a great time of year because um, you know you you're gonna have two teams, two games a day uh, playing, and uh, and playoff games, and then sometimes you'll have three, I think. But the White Sox play Houston today, and that gets going at one o'clock. Pacific time, and then the Red Sox play Tampa uh, tonight, and so uh, you'll see that. And um, so, yeah, if you're a baseball fan, uh, this is an awesome time of the year. Um, and then not too distant future, right? You have football going, both professional and college. Basketball will get going, and uh, and hockey gets going. So if you're a sports fan, one of the cooler times of the year. And uh, and so, uh, yeah, postseason baseball. So anyhow, um, uh, so good morning. Um, yeah, I was going to talk about Afghanistan a little bit and the perspective of talking to Afghan veterans and uh, how how I don't know what the right is I don't distraught is not the right word uh, how deeply bothered uh, they are my conversations with a bunch of them over the course of three weeks and uh, but you know um as I began to peruse the news, um, as I began to peruse the news, um, I see a headline: Navy probe finds no direct link between actions of the USS Somerset crew 
and fatal AAV accident. I saw that. And let me just tell you this. Um, I don't know. I, I don't understand. Uh, the commanding officer of the Somerset is ultimately responsible for that. The Navy used to be an environment. There were one question court marshals. Were you the commanding officer of the USS Somerset on July 30th, 2020? Yes, I was. And, um, and, um, so if you're responsible, I, I mean, one, the thing that I, I did in the Marine Corps is operations. Okay. That's what I did. And so when you do operations, you sit down and, um, You sit down and you have whoever's conducting the operations brief you. If it's a regimental operation, they brief. If it's a battalion operation that you're, you're going to be supporting, they brief, right? And then you go through things like ex- execution checklists and things like that, all right? When, when we cross the line of departure, right, the brevity code is Mississippi, right? When we go into the attack in this sector, the, the brevity code is Arkansas, when we when we secure this sector, the brevity code is right is main, and, and so it's all these different phases, and that's how you track, and that's how people know what's going on. And so when things happen, right? So we've now conducted phase two. We're we're going to trigger, you know, phase one. Now we're going to trigger phase two. And you you would see a line that said condition set for phase two, which means this blocking force has to be in position. This blocking force has to be in position. These assets have to be ready to move. And and that's going to take time to do, but it's all got to be synced up. And that's how we sync it up in execution checklist. Okay. So the commanding officer of the Somerset is responsible for the movement of those tracks from the ship to the shore and from the shore to the ship. His combat information center, right, when these tracks get ready to leave San Clemente Island and go into water, right, somebody in that combat information center has an execution checklist. And somewhere on that execution checklist should be, right, condition set for blah, 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 for return to, to the well deck. And so what what does that mean? There's flight deck considerations. There's flooding the well deck, which drops the ass into the ship deeper into the water so the tracks can get on the ship, right? There's safety boats in the water, right? There's probably lookouts that have to be positioned too. All that. And it doesn't happen, and there's no direct link between that. I, I It's just, I can't. I don't know what I don't understand that makes this make sense. Because I, because we'll go here in a few minutes, and I'll read you. Gidget Fuentes wrote the article, Gidget, longtime writer of Things Marine, and, uh, and, and we like Gidget. And so we're going to check out her article in uh, USNI News uh, today. And then uh, I'm trying to see if the, the Mensa brothers can come back on. Uh, tomorrow morning, and we'll talk about this. We spend a considerable, uh, considerable amount of time on it, okay? 
And so the CEO of the ship ultimately gives a green light or the red light on these kind of movements, right? Not the Marines, okay? Because it's the ship that is the paramount asset out there. And so if the Marines are ready to move and they say, hey, we're splashing, the CEO says, not so fast, all right? I've got to do this. I've got to refuel. I've got to recover these aircraft. I can't do that right now. And you guys can't splash because I've got to move the boat to this spot to recover the aircraft. And then I'm going to have to turn and come back and get you guys. And that's, so anyway, Navy, Marine Corps, Amphibious Amphibious Ops 101. And so you don't don't have any role in that. I have to say that I'm, I don't know. I, I don't. I do not fucking get it. Something goes catastrophically wrong. Something as fundamental as no safety boats in the water and nobody made a mistake here. Oh, yeah, it's just minor things. And it was no, yeah, they didn't do anything wrong. Right? I don't get it. So, uh, I'm, so I, I'm not happy. Because I don't understand how how the commanding officer of that ship when there's something as fundamentally wrong as no safety boats in the water and his operations guys don't catch that and everybody's got their head up their ass that not really not really anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. So uh so on that note, good morning. The United States Marine Corps band makes this morning official. Good morning. <laughs> And this is dedicated to the families of eight Marines and uh, and one United States Navy sailor who died over a year ago and had to have had to endure uh, officials of the Navy and probably the Marine Corps showing up to, li- to deliver this kind of shit. Yeah, nobody did anything wrong. And uh, our heart breaks for you. Right. Then, in addition to everything that you've gone through, now you have to you now you have to endure this. God bless you.
you're betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think. And you don't say it honestly and bluntly. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. For this campus had prepared him well. <clears throat> I'm very confident that, thank you very much. <clears throat> if this was vodka, it'd be a lot better speech. <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. Time to look at the weather. Currently cloud in 69 in Quantico. It is cloudy in 74 down the coast at Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point, home of the 2nd Marine Airway. My favorite. Sunny in 68 in 29 Palms in Southern California. Partly sunny in 63 at Camp Pendleton. Dark cloudy 72 at Camp Smith in Hawaii. Dark cloudy 79 in Okinawa. Dark cloudy in 82 in the Philippines. And in Darwin, clear dark in 81. Currently at the home of Almond Radio, it is cloudy in 65. Small craft advisor is out there. Looking for a high today of only 70. 69 tomorrow with 24% chance of rain. And then Saturday, 71. Sunday, 76. And Monday, 72. Honest, I love that weather. A little bit on the cool side. Not a cloud in the sky. Nice. Uh, That is a look at your weather. And we're going to check some news headlines uh, en route to uh, the Mensa Brothers today. So, um, the let's see, top story in Stars and Stripes today is this. Commanders were overloaded by pandemic border mission before deadly amphibious vehicle sinking investigation finds. All right. So now, there's two investigations that were moving, and that is one done by being done by Lieutenant General Sam Mundy and a second one uh, that is being done by the uh, United States Navy. So this story is from Dan Lamoth. And Dan is a uh, Washington Post reporter. He's been on All Marine Radio uh, quite a few times. But I'll read you a little bit of what he says. A new investigation into the drowning of nine U.S. service members last year says the senior commanders responsible for ensuring troop safety failed to keep up with mounting demands imposed on them due to the coronavirus pandemic, the prospect of war with Iran, and former President Donald Trump's militarization of the southern border. Released Wednesday, yesterday, the report does not excuse those Marine Corps officials whose lack of oversight was faulted previously in the sinking of a 26-ton amphibious vehicle 
during pre-deployment training off the coast of California, but it scrutinizes what a senior military leader determined were other contributing factors. Lieutenant General Carl Monday III, known as Sam to his friends, said that it, quote, would be a mistake to discount or overlook the demands on the commanders, their staffs, and the rank-and-file troops ahead of the disaster on July 30, 2020. Quote, the claims on their time and attention surfaced in a number of interviews with several senior officers who described the conditions during the period as second only to their experience in combat, Monday wrote. Numerous Marine officers were removed from their jobs after the incident, Right. Um, Blah, 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 blah. Marine Corps investigators found that the deaths were preventable with complacency, shoddy maintenance and inspections and inadequate training, all leading to the tragedy. The result of this latest Marine Corps investigations were released along with the findings of a parallel Navy inquiry that uncovered communication problems between the services on the day of the disaster in which the armored ship to shore transport craft took on water, and sank off the coast of San Clemente Island while returning to the U.S. Somerset. The Navy's investigator, Rear Admiral Christopher Sweeney, found that the Somerset's commanding officer at the time, Navy Captain Dave Kurtz, quote, did not fully understand communication pathways between the ship and the Marine vehicles involved in the operation. But Navy officials said the Somerset responded promptly when the situation's severity became clear and that the communications problem did not cause the disaster. You know, whatever happened to, I'm responsible to everything my unit does or fails to do. I Honestly, this, this renders me speechless. I don't even know what to say, right? That, oh, you had an excuse because you didn't really understand. the. It's your fucking job to understand it. It's your job. Other people are going to bet their lives on your ability to do your job and and the ability of your subordinates to do their jobs, you know, but didn't really understand it. No Navy personnel were removed from their jobs as a result of the incident. Imagine that. Imagine that you're the responsible entity for the movement and nobody, nobody, and there's no safety bo- boats in the water. And that is your responsibility. Nobody's removed. No Navy personnel were removed from their jobs as a result of the incident. But a senior commander, Vice Admiral Roy Kitchener, said in a conference call with reporters that some have been subject to administrative action. He declined to disclose the p- specifics. Why? Because we'll find out it was bullshit. Quote, this tragedy should never have occurred, said Kitchener. We will not let the lives be lost in vain. We have learned from this, and we will, we will permanently improve the way we plan and execute amphibious operations. Give me a fucking break. <clears throat> Christiana Sweetwood, whose son was one of the Marines that was killed, said in a phone interview Wednesday that she received thousands of pages. I've been told it's approximately 3,000 pages of the investigation documents, right? And was still sorting through them. She noted pointedly that the Navy did not fire anyone and that the pandemic appeared to have distracted Marine Corps commanders from taking required safety precautions. Quote, I feel like so much at this point has been thrown at us, she said. It's almost like everyone is pointing fingers at each other. 
Sweetwood said, however, that she found some solace in the Navy's promise to require safety boats in the future. What do you mean? I'm trying to find my blessings where they are, she said. Those safety boats, they are fast. So that is the top story in Stars and Stripes today. You could tell I'm moderately fucking pissed about it. I, and again, I, this is, to me, this shit is stunning. How the Navy just washes its hands of it and says, oh, yeah, there were some calm issues. There was no safety boats in the water. That's your responsibility. Your responsibility for that movement, ultimately. If they're moving, you have to have the conditions set. One of the conditions is the safety boats. They don't get there, right? People die and uh, nothing to see here. The fuck, man. Top story in the Wall Street Journal. Schumer reaches deal, blah, blah, fucking blah. U.S. set out to hobble China's Huawei, and so it has. You know what? As well it should, right? As well it should. Huawei, and and really the the key point was when the United Kingdom last year uh, said they um, they went back on a I believe a contract that they were they were set to either fund or enact and said yeah we're not going to do that that was absolutely critical right and and again I think that's one of the major things in this turning point that now has carriers from the United Kingdom United States big deck ships from J- Japan that F thirty five are flying off of for the first time since World War Two. Yeah, fighters flying, you know, off of Japanese, you know, ships, you know, for the first time since World War II. I mean, and all that stuff needed to happen because China has to get put on notice, right, that the rest of the world is not having this anymore. Uh, Top story in the New York Times. Senate leaders announced deal to allow short-term debt limit increase. I think that will run until December. Um I don't know if I should go into Gidget Fuentes' article. Navy Pro finds no direct link between the actions of the Somerset crew and the fatal AV incident. Uh, maybe I should save this for tomorrow. Um, I think I will. I think that's a better course of action. Uh, other stories today out of USNI News that tends to do hard news. Uh, Navy loses a 14th sailor to COVID. Right? And again, I'm not sure how many are on active duty anymore. And so that story goes into to that. I'm a little bit pissed. Amazing. SECNAV, new strategic Navy guide, no, new Navy strategic guidance emphasizes deterrence in the Pacific. In the Pacific. Well, there you go.
top stories in Marine Corps Times. Uh, as you might imagine, right? As you might imagine. Um, and I'll just paint a picture of Marine Corps Times for you right now. Okay. The clickbait that is this story relative to Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller dominates the page, right? Dominates the page. Okay. There's also an op-ed piece, an opinion piece entitled this. The Corps is looking, is locking up truth-telling Marines in an unjustly reckless matter. Okay. And again, regardless of the fact, and it is a, um, it is a, it is a woke op-ed that the, um, Marine Corps Times chooses to publish. So congratulations on that. And then in a very, very small block on the right-hand side, new investigation reveals more details on fatal Marine AV accident. Oh, and there's a story, another clickbait special. A Sikh Marine is now allowed to wear a turban in uniform. There you go. Heavy-hitting journalism there at Marine Corps Times. Right. Just remember this. Journalism is a commercial endeavor, right? They will serve you both on the on on your nightly TV fare, and um, on all these websites. That stuff that drives clicks, right? It doesn't matter if it's the news of the day or not the news of the day. You're going to get it. You want to know why? Because that's what pays the freight. Okay. Top five stories in early bird number one. Navy Secretary's new strategic guidance focuses on deterring China from invading Taiwan. Number two, inside the B-52's deployment to support the Afghan withdrawal. Number three, changes to federal loan forgiveness program will benefit thousands of troops, vets, and DOD workers. Number four, the true story of how Army paratroopers traded dip for a Toyota gun truck used to secure the Kabul International Airport. Number five, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. Now, you know what? The abbreviation for Lieutenant Colonel for a Marine officer is L, lowercase t, uppercase c, lowercase ol. That's how it's done. Yeah, military times can't figure that shit out. So the fifth article is Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller charged with six UCMJ violations. There's a uh, there's a story, you know, one of the interesting parts of Afghanistan, somebody who continually raised alarms um, was the Special Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction. And the acronym is SIGAR, S-I-G-A-R. Here's the headline. U.S. leaned too much on the DOD to rebuild Afghanistan, Inspector General says. I would tell you this. One of the shocking things that happened um, uh, both in Iraq and Afghanistan, in my experience, was this. Um, we showed up in 2004 and I, um, and you're, um, 
you're taking stock. And I remember we sent a major over to take inventory of, I want to say it was the Iraqi National Guard or the local police and shit. And he comes back. So how how many people do they have, right? Um, and uh, how many how many vehicles, how many weapons, how many radios, all of that, right? So he comes back with, I want to say, a ripped piece of white binder paper, right? With the top left-hand corner ripped off and a bunch of notes on in pencil on it, right? Now this is, <laughs> I'm with the 1st Marine Division, right? And so this major comes back and he's got a list of, this is how many people they have. Right, number of vehicles, right, was like not even 10. For the city of Ramadi, which is, I don't know what the population of Ramadi is. Right, how many weapons do they have? Some of them have weapons. What? How many radios do they have? None. And so, and so it's like, okay, well, we had to have anticipated this, right? So when is the ship docking in Kuwait that's going to offload Vehicles, weapons, radios, and shit like that. And then everybody looks around like, yeah, there's no nobody, that none of that's coming here. And you're looking around going, what? Isn't there a plan? Doesn't the State Department have a plan, right, to do something at the end of hostilities? And I will tell you, the my experience both in Iraq and Afghanistan, the State Department, not so much. Big on being on TV, right? Invisible where we were working, right? All the programs that you need in the aftermath of of a war to make shit work. <laughs> Sorry, not seeing it so much. Yeah. Yeah. And so all that work gets left to soldiers, Marines, going around and being, you know, doing projects and, and, and reconstructing nations, the American military. I was, I, I was, I was, I was surprised to say the least. All right. Now with that said, um, the Mensa brothers, uh, going to join me here. And, uh, so without further ado, um, Tim, Will and Jeff, uh, uh, join me. And we talk about, um, in something we, we recorded last night, we talk about, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is kind of the first topic after we kind of reintroduce ourselves. And then uh, the second topic is the hearings on Afghanistan. So, here you go. Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Uh, it's been a while since we've done this. We're going to see if we remember how to do it. Um, but I don't think running our sucks is going to be any fucking problem for anybody. Uh, joining me from McAllen, Texas, Tim Lynch. Timmy, what's going on? How are you? Uh, not not bad, Matt. Good to see you again. Glad to be here, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, from uh, 
someplace outside of Kansas City, Will Cosentini. Will, how are you? I'm great, Mac. Wonderful weather out here in the Midwest. Yeah, it's fall, yeah, it's, right? Yeah, it's like uh, fall and spring are the only livable times here, and this is turning out to be a pretty decent fall. That's nice. That's nice. And then uh, from Southern California, where uh, I just got back uh, yesterday, and weather's pretty mild out here. Uh, Jeff Kenny, Jeff, how are you? Or are you in Southern California? Or are you in Nevada? Right? I am. I'm in Southern California. Thanks for for greeting me last because I forgot who those other two fucking guys were. <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> Was it Will or Bill? Or Jimmy? I can, yeah. Anyways, thanks for doing that. But uh, seriously speaking, it's great to be back together with everybody. Yeah. Hey, I got to tell you something. I was at my class reunion for the Naval Academy a week and a half ago. Wow. I can't tell you how many people asked me what happened to the Mensa brothers. They got no canceled. <laughs> the, net, the, network, the network canceled us. Yeah. You got canceled <laughs> there were, there were, herself. Yeah, there were people that, that binged the thing. <laughs> they, they came in late to the neo conversation so they had to go through like 20 hours of it to listen to the whole thing yeah well we got thousands of hours of recording so exactly it'll come back eventually (laughs) so we're up to like 23 listeners now it's unbelievable and there's three more in texas that i was talking to so you can add that I knew the Naval Academy was in decline, but who knew it stretched back that far, right? <laughs> it goes all really? the way back to Will's graduating class. Holy shit. The, um, yeah, so you were a little bit of a media celebrity, Will? Were you, were you, were you smoking your cigars, waving your hands, and doing a little Danny DeVito, like, kind of shit thing? Well, I'm a celebrity in that class as it is. So. <laughs> One can only imagine. But you, when you, when you, you know, what was it for though? For your caustic nature, your your incredible intellectual capacity. Um, what would you say that they knew you most for to be a celebrity back then? Uh, when you're a giant among giants, you know. <laughs> Go ahead. The other two are wincing. Go ahead, say it. What, are you going to just sit there like idiots? <laughs> say something. I'm not saying anything, but I've heard this shit before, and Carrie would back him up. And it was, uh, it was, it was a, a pretty impressive duo. I remember it well. Giant among giants. Yeah. Why do you think I'm with him, Christ? Nice. Oh, oh yeah, my was, God. Just ride the tailwind there, Timmy. You'll do fine. There, there you go, go, brother. There you go. There you go. The um, let's talk about. So your your what what reunion? Well, what number? Thirty uh, fifth, which was actually last year, and it got canceled due to COVID. Right. So we did it thirty sixth. Interesting. The class of sixty one was there for their sixtieth reunion. Wow! And it's amazing how many of those guys get around pretty well. Um. Figure they're all, you know, 82 and 83 years old. So there must have been guys you know, I mean, guys who were famous in that 61 class. Uh, You know, I didn't meet any of them. I just saw them around town. Uh, It was odd odd because normally we do it on a football weekend. But since Mm -hmm. we had to cancel, we couldn't do it on a football weekend because everything sold out. So we did it on a non-football weekend. We had a big tailgater and Navy was playing at Houston. So we were going to watch the game. 
inside the tailgater, and then they shifted the game to like 1900. So we just had a tailgater with a huge cornhole tournament, 600 people, and it was it was actually better than being there when a game was on. There was no crowd, no traffic, and uh, you actually got to talk to a bunch of people. And uh, you know, bizarrely, I continue to meet people that were in my class 36 years ago that I never knew them. But met a couple people. One guy just retired. I think is uh, was either the JAG or the deputy JAG of the Navy. Talked to him for quite a while, and uh, just a lot of other people you know that I've known through the years. So it's always a good time. How many people in your graduating class? A thousand and thirty-three graduated, and we had about six hundred people at the reunion. I figure somewhere between four fifty, five hundred were from the class, and then various and sundry family accompanied them. Wow! 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 What was the highlight of the whole weekend? Uh, I, I would say that tailgater. It was it was a great time. We started at one thirty. I think they kicked us out at seven thirty. Um, it's just a beautiful day. Uh, you know, I had this, uh, there's 36 companies in the brigade. So each company had a cornhole team. So they played this big tournament, raised some money for something. I have no idea what, um, yeah, it was just a great day there. So, um, that, and we were trying to figure out who had the most kids. So a good friend of mine is a retired Marine has 12 and then supposedly a woman in my company had 16, but I think that number was off and I think some of those were adopted. But then we found out another guy in my company had 14 kids. Legitimate. Holy shit. Naturally Legitimate. produced that kids. Is, yeah. 14. Unusual. That's a throwback yeah, to when we were kids when that was not like, you know, that abnormal. I remember, I mean, we had four, yeah. and it was like, why don't we have more kids in this family? Like, what's going on? Yeah, right. Yeah, same right? thing. Yep. 14 yeah. kids. So that was, that was uh, one Who? of the things. First, and then just try and work the logistics of that. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Are you in this family? What's your name? <laughs> Timmy, Dad. <laughs> well, come, come on in, Timmy. Don't know that I know you, but you look like a nice kid. Come on in. There's enough food for everybody. 14 kids. Holy shit, man. That would be crazy. And then how would you transport them? How many different vehicles would you need? Right? Yeah. Station wagon would get what? The thing about it is, though, because my grandmother had 11. And um, from 1920 to 1941, 11 kids who lived. And uh, so the by the time the younger ones are being born, the older ones are driving. And they, some of them are already married. I mean, I got some of my cousins who are older than my uncles, you know, because they're, you know what I'm saying? So Crazy, uh, crazy. You know, yeah, and eat, I, and eat in shifts. Yeah. yeah. Right? I we mean, all ate together so we could argue. Right. As a matter of fact, then they'd have extended families. They Every Sunday, fucking everybody's telling somebody something. You're, everybody's arguing, you know? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'd say to my dad, where are we going? You know where we're going. We're going with fucking the Pasquales for a big dinner. Someone's going to tell us something. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy, what have you been doing? You know? What have you been doing for the last three weeks? Well, I've been uh, I've been going to school. I'm, I'm, I'm taking that advanced statistics course because I'm finding that kind of interesting. 
and um, haven't I really haven't been doing much of anything today. I spent the day with Michael Yan going up and down the border, showing him the this area. And uh, Michael Yan, Michael Yan is Michael Yan is is a guy that was uh, he was a very uh, prominent blogger back during the Iraq uh, Afghanistan stuff, and he and he calls himself the world's uh, most experienced combat correspondent, which may be true, but. Um, like like today, we were sitting on the bridge uh, to Progresso, and he would do a hit on the Bannon uh, War Room pod, uh, uh, broadcast. So he he shows up on a lot of media still, and what he's doing now is is he's tracking the migrant flow, and he started started in Colombia, and then he went to the Darien Gap in Panama, and and so he's kind of documenting the whole migrant thing through, which is why he didn't came he, to McAllen. A couple years ago, Timmy, didn't he infiltrate Antifa too? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Same guy. Same, yeah. yeah. Same guy. Yeah. He, cause he was, he, he got, he was, he was in Hong Kong and he got very popular again because of his coverage there. And then he went to Oregon and he, well, he said he saw Antifa people in Hong Kong learning right. how, how to use the umbrellas and use the communication networks and stuff that they were doing. And he identified the same tactics in uh, in Portland. Yeah, so he he's he's an unusual character, man. But it, it start he started out as a Green Beret, uh, and was uh, in a Green Beret with the guy that I worked for, the the boss of CADG, Steve Shellis. They were best friends, and that's that's how I met him in Afghanistan. Is he got he got kicked out of an embed, and and Steve said, "Well, go hang out with Lynch in Jalalabad." It was the first time he was not he was living outside of a base. He was. And he and he adapted to it well. So it was, uh, and I got a lot of coverage for that when I was back when I was a blogger too for, from uh, from his reporting because he was he hugely popular. No, he's not married. Uh-uh. He should marry a woman named Heather. Then they'd be Heather and Jan. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've known him for fifteen years. It's well, hey, well, well done, Jeff. Daughter. Well, bravo. Well That's done. The first fucking thing that occurred to me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The um, it, why do you like advanced statistics? Because I'm I'm I am I'm fascinated with how data is being manipulated, and I don't understand some of the stuff, particularly that that's that's going on with COVID. And I want to learn. I want to be able to take data sets and manipulate them in identical ways and see if I get the identical results. So I, I'm going to try to do a, a, a thesis. In which I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to evaluate. Um, uh, uh, I want to I want to focus more on the profile of, of what what exactly a COVID victim is because I, I I I think that there's ways of of, of slicing that data and you're going to come up with some very specific uh, a high percentage of people with a very specific set of of, of predispositions who make up a vast majority of the casualties. That's 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 what I ultimately hope to do. But I've got to get better with the statistics, and it's and it's it's hard, and it's really. But it, but I like it because I'm I'm learning it. You know, I mean, I'm I'm able to to to. I'm not failing. I'm 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 able to get to keep on getting good grades as we go deeper and deeper into comprehensive st- statistics, and it's and it's it's interesting. But if you don't know how to do this, you don't know when they're bullshitting you when you're talking environment or COVID or any other damn thing. Yeah, so those are the kind of classes yeah. I used to take in 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 economics. That's what we do that shit, you know. And, and uh-huh. like we'd see like you or Jeff or Will walk in, and there was only a handful of economics majors at where I at the University of San Diego, 
And they thought you were going to like talk about like things they read about in the newspaper and shit. And they'd sit down and you're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I just want to take an elective. Yeah, you need to get the fuck out of here, man. And they'd be like, <laughs> they'd be like, what? I, I, I think economics is interesting. Yeah, well, so do we. But this isn't that. We're going to talk yeah. about we're going to talk about math, right? And they're like, really? Yeah, stay for an hour if you want to. But if I was you, I'd get the fuck out of here. And at the end of the class, right, be the first class, they'd look around. And they're like, hey, man, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and they would leave because it is it's applied math, right? Yeah, no, it's it's hard. But I've I've actually I've actually rent uh, uh, one of those statistics status seventeen. I, I've rented the software so I can I can because it was just too hard to sign on to the to the university software, and, it, and it's expensive. But it's interesting to be able to manipulate data. You know, I have it's, to tell you, the math thing, like Will, Will probably knows this, but the math thing can be addictive. Like when I worked for Will, an EI company, I had the weapons platoon, and we had a really very proficient mortars you guys remember the mortar guys and these guys would go on liberty they'd go to each other's houses with these big plotting boards and they would just do uh <laughs> they do missions people you know parallel line and fucking pivot point stuff and they do it over and over and over again they drink beer but they would never get drunk and i remember thinking i can't think of a more boring way to spend an afternoon but they were into it man they're into the, the mystery of that numbers thing you know yeah, and so Tim, a way to uh, offset the cost of the software is apply your statistics and probability <clears throat> at a place like a poker table. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, um, <laughs> well, well played, well played. And I, but I don't, I don't think I'll actually, I'll actually act on it. And I remember those damn EI. Do you think that? Guys. Do you think that you have the lack of morals to actually? Implement that? I mean, you'd have to. No, 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 no. I no. I'm not a good poker player. I I know my weaknesses. Know yourself. You know. Know your enemy. I'm I'm a I am much too impulsive a poker player. And and I got and there's and and I don't even know what my tells are. But it's like everything I do. It's 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 ridiculous. All so the I'm, more I'm... reason. All the more reason for you to join my poker game. I think Will's ambition yeah. is to yeah. Fix you know, it's twenty twenty two. World Series, the way Arnold Rothstein fixed the 1919 world. <laughs> he's training himself for. Arnold, yeah, and, Arnold Rothstein, and, and there unable, you go. unable to access Will's poker table every week, I just I, I have to, to, to satisfy myself with the Status 17 software and manipulating data because it amuses the shit out of me. But uh, but no, that's it's it's been interesting. And and hanging out with Michael Young today was interesting too. So is it all like card counting? Well, I mean, cause don't you get kicked out of Vegas for that? And how? Do, and how? Do, and how do? How do they know? You're not playing the house. Playing the other players. Oh. Playing the house. Oh, so I'm thinking of what roulette? No, no, uh, no, no, no you can't count cards in in Vegas. But he ain't. You're, Vegas. you're thinking blackjack. Blackjack. All right. All right. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. How do they know you're counting though? They. Statistics. Well, part of the answer. <laughs> that's going to be the answer to everything now. Statistics. I guarantee you. Uh, they, uh, they, they, the people that overly concentrate and then that change their bet sizing, uh, that's a tell 
for the for the house. What do you mean they overly concentrate? You're supposed to be drinking booze and smoking a smoking a cig and talking shit while you're playing. And if you're just sitting there staring at the deck of cards, they're like, "Yeah, that Kenny guy, he's fucking. He's just not antisocial and stupid. He's counting cards." That's the one tell. He's counting cards, but he's not counting them right. Yeah, because the theory of blackjack card counting is you're counting the, the high cards and the low cards, and then when the probability is in your favor, right, you change right. your bet size dramatically, and that's how you that's how you beat the, the, the house. So, Guys can remember. They can they figure got, that stuff out. They remember I, a lot. Remember that, Timmy, when you, when you start playing uh, blackjack and poker, following Will's footsteps. I got caught in a snowstorm once in in, uh, in Nevada with my with my uh, with a staff. So I can't remember his name. He was my my one man recruiter in Elko, Nevada, right? And I was driving wow. around. Basically, it was punishment because he wasn't making mission. But we got stuck. I forget where oh, it one was. Of those, but... One of those guys, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Windshield time in Nevada, right? But it was it was a hotel casino whorehouse no the whorehouse was down the street but it was i forget which town it was but so we, we got to stay in this casino and we, we go and get in civilian clothes and we come and get dinner and this guy he sits, down at, the, he sits down no he sits down at the blackjack table with this guy with this dealer and he's looking at this dealer and he goes hey sir come on sit down with me and so a guy would deal cards and then the dealer would deal 18 he'd go oh you got to hit that and the dealer would hit it and he'd be He'd crap out. We were winning every hand. It was ridiculous. This guy couldn't count. It, it, I've never seen anything like it. And the manager came and shut the table down, told us to get the fuck out of there. But it was ridiculous. I've why never couldn't he seen make? Mi- why couldn't he make mission then? No, he could count. Was, the dealer couldn't count. Because he was the, guy, they, the black blackjack dealer in the middle of nowhere, Nevada, could not keep count of those damn cards. Uh, and, you, know why, and, you know why he couldn't make mission? Why? Because the leadership at the RS level, isn't that, isn't that what the general always says? They and you're, abs- they and you're absolutely right. And it's that was biggest, why. Fucking, it's the biggest lie in the Marine Corps besides uh, well, what? a lot of them now. It's hard well, to keep that, Well, somebody never missed mission when he was out on recruiting. That would be me. It would you, be Paul. Yeah, it would be Dave. What about Jeff? Good, Jeff, did you ever miss any, mission? Yeah. Jeff, you I did? Yeah. fucking peril. And Jeff what did had the general Jeff say? Had hard. I yeah, it was very rough. I mean, I wait. made mission. What Jer- hey, wait, 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 hold on. What did General Lynch call you? What was your name? Fraudman. Fraudman. <laughs> unlike the guy Timmy was with at that last story he told, I did make mission as a, <laughs> as a recruiter and as an NCIC because I grasped the, uh, the 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 key is to try and leave nothing for chance because so much is is you know up for chance but there's a lot of things you cannot fuck up not make sure the guy gets where he's supposed to be on time make sure he has his fucking social security card make sure he knows that he didn't really smoke dope more than 10 times in the last month make sure that, yeah, that's a key you know, that's a key one. make sure his police check is good make all this shit get, you know and uh because no one else gives a fuck about your guy except you you know so you had to do that and um and i extrapolated that to be an rsco but it was uh Pittsburgh was rough, you know, very rough. No, and, uh, no. Well, Pittsburgh, when you went to it, they had fired the last how many RSCOs, right? Five, five. Oh yeah, they had a huge scandal there in uh, in eighty nine, eighty eight, eighty nine, where they're making, they just were doing everything dirty you could do. I had the investigation next to my desk in three volumes, and um, 
I used to read it like like fucking rabbis would read the Old Testament. And I remember I remember like, oh my God. Every dirty trick I heard of when I was a enlisted recruiter, <laughs> these guys there. did it in spades. Well, you know why they corrupted the Huh? They left it to chance. They didn't remind the guy that he actually oh. had graduated from high school and they had printed the diploma themselves <laughs> to prove it. You know what? You're right in a way because the kids got to boot camp and they would give like a you get like a small ASVAB. It's not as comprehensive as your, the one you took to get in, but all the they, the the they were frauding these cat fours. Like guys were like as dumb as fucking Leon Spinks. They were getting they were getting these guys, um, you know, guarantees for electronics jobs and stuff. And these and, guys, and you know how they got caught? Statistics. Yeah, exactly. And eventually Fuck. they started noticing Stop it. it. And then somebody and somebody fucking Stop ratted it. somebody else out. Always there's a game. fucking rat, right? Hey, but I, hey, can we go back? Because I want to explain. Well, no, hold on one second. Let me just put no one thing. Jeff said fraud man. Just so everybody knows. Not frog man. F-R-A-U-D man. Okay, just so. and dad's way of insinuating I was a criminal. Well, I don't. Th- I don't think that's such an insinuation, my friend. Um, what, and, and again, what was your dad? At, what was your dad in his capacity at the time? He yeah, that's was. What I was trying to get Marine, at. He was. He was the district CO, Eighth Marine Corps district. Right. And so, so he's Eighth Marine Corps district, and he does his thing. I was a corpsman at the time. I'm at IOC when Jeff comes over, and and my dad was up in Quantico for something. He came out. Came out to see a room of pain. So he walks into the bulletin and you know meets meets General meets Allen or whatnot. Walks in the bullpen, he looks at at, at at Jeff. He goes, "Fraud man, what are you doing here?" <laughs> Jeff goes, "Oh Jesus!" And nobody knew what he was talking about, you know. And we're all like, "What?" Because and Paul's like, "What's up? What's up with that, buddy?" You know, yeah. Kennedy was laughing his ass off. Well, here's the story. He comes yeah. into my office. I'm a staff sergeant. He's a colonel, and I yeah. had one of those. You know how you could buy it like a gift shop? You push a button and the thing laughs like a maniac. <laughs> so yeah. I used to push it whenever I hear stupid shit from the RS and everything. And if you remember Jim Shannon, I don't know, Will, you might remember him. You know, I do. He was my easy opso uh, of the RS, and uh, you know, and uh, my and so Colonel. But he looks at me. He goes. He looks at my record. I, I wasn't putting in an enormous amount of guys, but they're all getting through boot camp. And he goes, you know, you're putting in just enough guys to go one over mission. And that's the first time I heard that we really weren't on for three guys. We we're on for two guys. Tim's dad told me we we're only on for two guys. And uh, I'm like, because eh. then they figure, well, if we make them go crazy for three, they'll at least get two. And it fucking worked with me because I was like three guys or death every fucking month. I was going to do it. And uh, so he says to me. You're, he thought I was smarter than I was. He thought I was doing it on purpose. Like I was just getting. Like you're, like you're holding, like you're holding back on 12 them. guys. I could put in 12 guys, but I only put in three. So I could. And, and I, yeah. I thought to myself, that's a good fucking idea, though. And he called me fraud man. And God <laughs> almighty, he remembered it. I mean, that was in 1983 or 82. And then it was 1992. We saw. I saw him that when Timmy's talking about IOC there, he remembered me as fraud man. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? I know. Yeah, if Festus wasn't such a great handle for him, it would have changed then. But you know, he was Festus. Yeah. 
I'm so, proud of that name now. I, Timmy's dad, get, I'm proud of it because they never got me. <laughs> <laughs> they got everybody else. They got innocent guys. But they didn't get me. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, Never exactly. They haven't gotten me yet. Chris what about um business man? Nasty business. What about uh? So Jeff, what have you been doing doing the last week? Have you been in the Western White House the whole time, or have you gone back east, or what? <laughs> well, um, the last time I was in Vegas was um last weekend before last, and uh, and then uh, so I've been here. We've been you know working down at. At the uh, at the MEF, I have to tell you, we did the Emiratis. We helped them. You know, um, we're waiting for the big. Um, they're saying it's coming, where they're going to want like this comprehensive training for teams they put together to go and do basically the Lord's work, uh, like with the way the new commandant or the way General Berger wants the uh, force design changes. But they just haven't pulled the trigger on it, and I think it's because Marine Corps. Is doesn't have money for that type of shit yet. Right now, everybody just seems to be doing. The only ones who are getting trained like the way they used to, or the Muse, and uh, we're even done with the Special Force Magtap. Matter of fact, Will's guy Phil, Phil Lang, just got back um, a couple days ago. Like I think last Thursday, they came rolling in, and those are the guys who actually ran the Neo in the fucking uh, in the airport at uh, at uh, Kabul. I haven't talked to Phil yet. I haven't seen him. I guess he's on leave or something. But, uh, did they float back? Did they fly back? What? They flew back. They the 24th Mew float back. 2-1 is back. Matter of fact, when 2-1 came in a couple weeks ago, they did a um, parade down Del Mar in San Clemente. So me and my stepson went to it. Almost none of them were there. They were you know on leave still and everything like that. But um, we walked from the intersection of El Camino Real and uh, Del Mar all the way down to uh, the 5th Marines Memorial. It's down by the pier. And then uh, we got fired up at uh, Beach Fire. But, uh, you know, it was... uh, So everybody's back. Let me put it that way. Like, as you know, I was surprised to hear that 1-8 guys are still on ship. I mean, they're still on their way back from the... um, Like, floating across the Atlantic or something, or what? Yeah, when I was uh, the last day, it was at uh, I was, was a CLB. Uh, they're integrated. They, CLB yeah. guys would be on one of the ships. Right, they had right, three right. Ship R, they know? had just they had just recently got back, and then and there were still elements. And I I I didn't ask so much, but right. I, you know I I just got told that there were still elements that were still you know either offloading or or whatnot. And uh, so yeah, so I spoke to. Uh, I spoke to the uh, logistics uh, component of the uh, of the Mew uh, that had just got back, yeah. and uh, and so yeah. yeah. One word I got was most of the guys were wounded. Like there was like you know uh, the thirteen Marines and corpsman and soldier who got killed, and then there was about a, a little bit bigger number of guys who were wounded. Most of the guys were from two one, and most of them were gunshot wounds. Yeah, words, yeah, I, I heard a couple. I, I heard a couple stories that you know. Um, uh, one of them was about a, one of the corpsmen that was wounded, right? And that uh, I mean that he. Um, they have images of him when they get to Bethesda or Walter Reed. I'm not sure where they were. 
because um, they moved that into one complex now, right? They integrated that. So yeah. it's actually at yeah, the right. old Bethesda right. that is now called right. Walt Reed. Right, and uh, mm-hmm. they have pictures of the corpsman walking through the halls. He can barely walk. He's got a clipboard, and he's checking in on his Marine. Checking in everybody, yeah. Checking in on everybody. He can barely walk. There's nurses behind him in case he faints or falls or whatnot. Yeah. And there's, they yeah. said that this is, this, they have the same images with the lieutenant who was a platoon commander, you know. Barely, you know, and, you know, you you hear this phrase like, you know, where do we get such men, right? And that's been, um, you know, something that's been around the Marine Corps, you know, for as long as we've ever even heard about it because of the things that they do and, 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 and whatnot. And, you know, these uh, these Marines and sailors, no different, right? Um, risk their lives for yeah, each well, other. They're all, they're all blowing the yep. shit, and they're, and they're still doing what they believe they ought to do, which is taking care of, 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 of each yep. other. And, and, and two people, two different people were telling me these stories and just talking about, you know, they had tears in their eyes talking about, it. you know, that, uh, yeah. you know, you see these things and it's just so yeah. emotional. Yeah. When I was in yeah. Bethesda, but especially in Palo Alto, it was a pain in the ass for the hospital staff because we're always trying to get out to see each other. And, uh, especially in Palo Alto, because we all came out once. It was a new thing, you know, a brain damage ward. And uh, so it was guys who I knew from, uh, you know, from uh, from Bethesda. We flew out at the same time, and uh, we were always checking each other and forgetting what you forgetting what the guy told you the day before, and you'd, sit, you'd go through the same shit over and over again. And, uh, but yeah, it's true. You know, you'd, you'd feel like they're the only people – on earth besides you really and everybody else is just like phony you know? right. not phony but i mean it's surreal you know what i mean got it got it that's a that's a new tap tapestry in the background jeff uh yeah i'm in quinn's room oh, okay and, uh, and so l- let me show you the twisted shit he's got up there. <laughs> picture jimmy hendrix the eagles tour the king kong up there on the wall steelers of course because they're pittsburgh boys you know but uh Timmy, yeah. Timmy, can you glean any statistical data out of that that you want want to like talk to us about? <laughs> could you could you relate that to the data in tarot cards or some shit like that and, and make make a big sense I, for I, it? I can I can start putting together some kind of theory because it seems like the music world is stuck on fifty years ago. So he's got an Eagles poster. His kid's got an Eagles poster in his bedroom. That's like having it. Like when we're growing up, you have some type of a of a of a. 1920 jazz guys poster in your room. You see what I'm saying? And so there's there's a statistical stuck. Yeah, everything everything's stuck around the 70s uh, music time frame, and I'm going to find a statistic reason for it, maybe. Or maybe you know, that's not. true. That's a that's an interesting phenomenon. That's 50 years old, man. Radio, you'll hear shit from the 70s and 80s and 90s, you know. And um, in the 70s and 80s, you never fucking heard shit from the 30s and 40s. Right. Yeah, it was like you listen to Bette Midler. Yeah. Right. Yeah, unless you listen to her. Who wouldn't listen to her? But yeah. Sure. Until you went into your house, and then that's all you heard, right? Yeah. Your parents. Oh yeah. Your your parents. Remember KTEL Records? Oh fuck yeah. Records. My dad had Al Jolson, and uh, he had uh, uh, Edda Fitzgerald. He had um, he you know he would listen to that shit and. that Al Jolson, man, 
He was uh He was one happening was dude, man. The um yeah, what about him and Goodfellas? He's they got a they got a little clip of him singing in Goodfellas. What of um I had a question for you. Um so I, I go over to uh to do a little thing for uh United States Army for for at Fort Bragg. You know, you go you go into an army installation, right? And and you just happen to drive by a motor a motor pool, right? And you look and you're like, they have more trucks in that motor pool than I swear to God <laughs> we have in the whole Marine Corps, right? And then you know you you know you see the you know the big signs, 18th Airborne Corps, right? 82nd Airborne, right? And the history on you know on on Bragg in particular. Right, you know, you're on Normandy Way, and then here's Bastogne Circle, and you know, and it's just really, if you like, if you love history, um, there's bases that are you're pretty cool, and uh, you know, in the Army's history, especially that base is is pretty crazy, um, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, it was pretty uh, pretty interesting. I'd n- I'd never been there before, and so it was the first time I was ever there. So, uh, but the, just we the did, history. We did ops there when I was the we did um Which, marines you went out there and did ops what, never got to go to the main side or anything what out, out you just use their training areas yeah in fort bragg general sattler was the regimental commander and um yeah we did uh we did force on force out there and shit it was pretty close you know it's not that far away from lejeune so got it um I have uh, in in the emails I've gotten, and I'll we'll go through them in the order um, that I got them. Um, first question is about Lieutenant Colonel Scheller. Um, uh, thoughts on him and what the Marine Corps will do with him? Will? Yeah, you know, so they put him in pretrial confinement and. I think there's two conditions to put someone in pretrial confinement. One is they're a flight risk, i.e. they're going to take off and never be found again. I don't think you could consider Scheller a flight risk. And then the second one is I think you can put someone in pretrial to prevent uh, commission of serious offenses. And so someone goes to pretrial, and then you got to have, like, a magistrate's hearing, I believe in 72 hours, but it might be less. And so obviously they had the magistrates hearing this week and either the magistrate said they didn't have a reason to hold him in pretrial or they came to some agreement with him to let him out of pretrial. I, I was really surprised when the Marine Corps put him in pretrial confinement. And, you know, we know the guys in that chain of command, um, but the guy is playing for audience now. And all you do is raise his profile by doing that. And when you're on, if you're on the prosecution side of things, you are not allowed to go out into the media and explain, you know, what your theory of prosecution is or anything like that. That would be jeopardizing. And so it just seemed like a really poor um, tactic. Um, The guy, the more he talked, I don't know how you all feel, but the way I felt is if he would have said his first piece and shut up, he'd have a lot more credibility with me. The more he talked, the worse it got. And so if if you're in the Marine Corps, the only reason to put him in pretrial 
I guess, in theory, is to protect him from himself. But that's not a good reason. That's not a legitimate reason to put him in, in confinement. But what they did by doing that, you know, they fed the conspiracy. They got untold number of Congress people to come out. Um, they got some big-time media people uh, to come out on his side. And I just, it's gotten beyond stupid. I mean, can anyone say what he really is about now? I, I can't, other than Stuart Scheller. I know he's about that. Um, but I don't want to I don't want to totally disparage him because again, I thought, you know, he raised some legitimate points in that first video that have been lost now that you know, no one's talking about what the hell did we do for the last 20 years and what did the leadership do over the last 20 years that got us to that point? We've lost that. Um, and so it's, uh, it's unfortunate. And, uh, I don't, you know, he's going to go to court martial and, uh, you know, he's in significant jeopardy. Um, and we'll see, they're going to offer him a deal. Um, but he's going to so. I mean, the Marine Corps is going to lay the wood to him, though. I mean, they have to, yeah, right? Is there any way the Marine Corps sure as hell can? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they can. And and I think if he gets any kind of competent defense counsel, the defense counsel is going to work his ass off to make sure uh, that he takes whatever kind of deal they're willing to give, because he's in big time jeopardy. If they take him to GCM. General Court Martial, under those charges, you know, I haven't looked at my UCMJ lately, but uh, he could do, like, significant time. Um, you know, I may go visit him up here in Leavenworth because uh, th that's really what he's facing, and I don't – I can't imagine that there's a legitimate defense that would – turn you know i can't believe he'd go with a board of officers so he's going to take it with a judge i just you know he's in deep shit um now, okay he, so let me add before we move on to timmy he's in deep shit and and the marine corps doesn't have to stretch to to to, to you don't have to stretch anything to find him in deep shit yes or no will i mean he's he's he landed Correct. himself in he, deep shit, yes? He put all the evidence out there to convict himself, and he knew it. I mean, he said it in his first video. And so um, I don't know how you defend that, which means his defense counsel is going to be looking for the best deal he can get. Uh, the Marine Corps would like to be done with this, right? This is not what – I'll say this is not what the Marine Corps wants the public when they think Marine Corps. Unfortunately, now a whole bunch of the public thinks of Lieutenant Colonel Scheller. That's not what the Marine Corps wants the public thinking about. Um, and, 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 you know, it's interesting that f for all of the, the errors that were made at the highest level in the Bush, Obama, Trump, and Biden administration, all of those secretaries of defense, all of those chairmen of the Joint Chiefs, and CENTCOM commanders and UCOM commanders, 
the Marine Corps is the only one that's got shit stuck on it right now because of Shella, right? And so the Marine Corps doesn't want to have to deal with that because what can the Marine Corps do as an institution? Um, so they want to be done with it. Scheller is is painting himself into a corner and he's putting the Marine Corps into a corner as well that, you know, they can't surrender. But um, now that he's out, I'm sure he's got some sort of gag order on him now. And uh, again, if he's got a competent defense counsel, it's going to be, what, four months, five months before this thing would remotely go to trial. And they're going to do everything they can to get a deal. And we'll see if Scheller, you know, when he's faced no shit with you could do. I don't think it's unreasonable to think the guy could go away five or ten years. Wow. That may sober him up. I don't know. We'll see. And let me just inject. I mean, so I, I'm I'm in the area for the last three weeks. And, you know, people mentioned things. I, I, re, I heard repeatedly that... Um, and I'm not comfortable talking about his personal life, but that in his family situation, there's people with special needs, right? So his retirement, right? That's a big deal if you have if you have that in your family. Now again, I, I don't know him, I don't know the situation, but I mean to make a to make a, a not very good story even worse, right? That that your retirement is 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 needed immensely in in this kind of a family and that makes the whole thing even worse timmy you're, you're yeah. and, go ahead. well i just say i cannot envision a scenario where he retains his retirement he'll be lucky if he just takes a dismissal and goes out the door so With, without a bcd right if, mm-hmm. if he just gets dismissed at 17 years he should be grateful but we'll see Wow, Timmy. Timmy, your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it. Well, I agree with everything Will just said. He he laid it out perfectly. The guy's in significant jeopardy that he's placed himself in. You kind of got to worry about uh, about the guy, and it, and it and it seemed when this first broke out, you saw conservative guys comparing this to the Dreyfus affair in the French French army. You know, this is what I think the conservative blog spear was was hoping to see, which is him. You know. The, him getting prosecuted uh, unjustly to, to expose the right at the top and whatnot. And those, that's a fantasy. Now there's this, this guy is, is in significant jeopardy. Whatever point he was trying to make, he's hurt it by, by continuing to, to, to rant and rave. I, 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 it's not a good situation, man. Not at all. Not for him personally. Jeff, Jeffrey. Yeah, I pretty much, as Will was talking, I was like agreeing with everything, especially uh, the uh, the fact that if he had just shut up after the first thing he said was, uh, he, you know, he had he could have just shut up then and uh, and continued on and no and not you know been uh, and not have compromised his own integrity or whatever personal drama he's made this thing for himself personal narrative, but he kept talking, putting out videos, and he actually communicated a threat. Yeah. He, communicated, he communicated threats, which, um, you know, they're going to say, well, he was overwrought and everything. He, you know, done this thing. And, but, uh, the one question I would have though, is talking about all these uh, things that are going to be fallen. What's the charge? What's the charge? 
Oh, they, they oh, charge, they've got six charges on them. No, I, yeah. I'll read them to you. If, yeah. if you if you want if you want me to, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would like that because. Uh, okay, it's uh, here we go. Uh, here we go. Contempt towards officials, disrespect towards superior commission officers, willfully disobeying a superior commissioned officer, dereliction in the performance of duties, failure to obey an order or regulation, and conduct unbecoming of an officer and a gentleman. Those are the six. Yeah, there's no way you're going to do jail time for that crap. I mean, in this, the Marine Corps looks so bad. So bad. Could? What they should do is they should let the motherfucker resign. And send him on his way, and then he'll shit on us from from beyond. And I'm I'm reminded of the case of uh, of Colonel Hackworth, who uh, you know he spoke out on issues and answers or something like that. Some TV shows like 60 Minutes in 1970 or 71, and basically said we're fucking this thing up and we have been screwing it up. And he kind of like laid out a lot of shit. And they said they knew how bad it would look to put this guy who had so many. I mean, this guy was no. Scheller is no David Hackworth. I mean, Hackworth had yeah, like that's a, that's no, no, Hackworth is the most decorated just for, just for the record. Yeah. Yeah, and, but they let him go. He, he walked. You know, they let him retire. And I heard, and I don't know if this is true, this guy wanted to resign and just get out of there, right? And that he wasn't allowed to resign. And I, and I have to tell you, I think the Marine Corps lawyers, most of the time, they do shit I don't like, you know? But I think um, it may be that they got overruled above the Marine Corps about this guy. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the, no. I, I will tell you this. The thing that I see, when you see behavior like that, I mean, something's wrong someplace. I, I don't know what's wrong yeah. where, you know, yes. and, and as yes. Will said, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, you know, uh, if you his first comments, I think, hit um struck a nerve in, in, in a lot of people and uh and then subsequent to that um you're watching it going holy shit there's that's somebody in distress right there okay and it, and, and and so um so yeah I, I don't know i don't know anything that anybody else doesn't know i you know i had a number of people ask me about it um when i was back east and then tell me things um but to me i i mean something's not right there and i don't know what it is if it's his mental health or whatnot um but that is not the way a marine officer conducts himself or herself and uh you know the institution you know has to uh you know has to has to hammer him because you you can't do that what i hope is that somehow or other he's found um you know i don't that he's not found He's found incompetent or, or whatnot, and that and that they, you know, they get him help, and 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 somehow that that becomes part of a plea bargain, and um, and if it is true that he does have people with special needs in his family, that somehow or other that they can, you know, they can get through that thing through the car wash without it getting wet, and he can do that because that's uh that's uh that's tough, but that's what I see when I, when I see that yeah. kind of erratic behavior. In in yeah. a, in an officer in the Marine Corps, there's something something very wrong there. Yeah, he's and, and the the attention you're going to get from a viral post, the positive feedback loop that he got when he first did it, is a little bit. I mean, it's beyond anything we've had to deal with. It that 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 is significant, weird, mind altering pressure 
to have that much attention all of a sudden on top of you and everybody thinking that you're the second coming and the, and the, it, it's, it's got to be hard to handle. I wouldn't want that kind of pressure, uh, even right. if it was a pot for a positive thing. Well, it, if, I, now I again, just, just humor after that first one. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Humor me though. Silence would have been more eloquent than his subsequent foolish comments. Well, right. again, but so humor me with, he's struggling with something, right? Yeah. And then he, maybe. then, he, then, then he, he makes that post and then you get all, all that, all that affirmation of your br- brilliance, right? Worth. And you're, and you're struggling, which only makes you, you know, post more all mm-hmm. the time. You're, it is not the forum of an officer in the Marine Corps. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Matt. And so, you know that. And he knows right. that. Right. As Will said, if he would have, if he would have left it at that, then yep. and, and let me tell you, we know. Um, I, I th- I'm pretty sure we all know some of the people involved in it. I, and look, I don't know this for a fact, but I would bet my I would bet my all four of my kids on it that they when they fired him, they yanked his ass in and said, "Hey, look, man, yeah. we're trying to save your shit. You need to shut the fuck up, right? And 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 you're going to get fired, but you're going to stay in. You'll be able to retire, but." But God damn it, you got to shut your fucking mouth. You can't do yeah. this, right? I hundred percent agree with. Yeah, that. I, I mean think that's exactly what happened. Right. That's why I think it might be that there's stuff above, maybe even above, you know, our uh, our service chief level that are involved in this thing too. Oh but yeah, I have nothing no, to base that on because right. we're not allowed to know that stuff. You know, right, but right, right, right. all right. Next, the next question I got asked um, in these three weeks is. And, and I didn't really watch any of it because I've been busy. But um, based on the hearings that you saw, um, did that uh, affect your opinion, your thoughts on Afghanistan? Um, Will, did you watch any of those hearings and um, and your thoughts on, on, on some of the things that came out of it? I, I watched part of it. Uh, the key part was when... You know, the president got interviewed by Stephanopoulos whenever it was and said that no one yeah. had recommended to him to leave a residual force. And then the senators um, basically got uh, General Milley and General McKenzie to say that, well, we're not going to tell you what we told the president, but our private view is that we should have left a residual force and that we told him that. And so it was obvious that the president was lying uh, to Stephanopoulos about that. Um, So uh, and then, yeah, we just move on to the next event. Right. Um, The president looked at the camera and lied straight up. Uh, It was interesting to me, though, that that the two generals could have just told both committees in the House and Senate that we're not going to share with you our private recommendations to the president, period. They're not obligated, uh, and one and I, I would respect that, that they give private best advice, yeah. and then the president makes a decision. But when they go next and say, my personal feeling it's like they're trying to have it both ways. Yeah, yeah. And that was, um, 
I thought when you were in front of Congress and you swore to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, that you had to actually do that. You couldn't have caveats about, well, I'm not going to tell you what I said to the president. Well, fuck, what, who wants you up there then? You know what I mean? What, well, that's, they, what they we did. want to fight. We want to get to the truth. You yeah, know? They, did, they did ask to do it in closed session. Right. And neither committee, neither committee wanted to do it in closed session. Um, you know, it's interesting. They could have done it in closed session and it would have leaked. Um, yeah, you know, like, but I was, I it's was just surprised. so filthy, man. I was, I was surprised that both generals ended up yeah. saying what their personal opinion was. Cause again, they wanted seemingly to have it both ways that, yeah. Hey, we're not going to rat out the president, but we're not idiots. We knew we should have left people there. So they tried to yeah. have it both ways. And that was, that's a, uh, that's a, just sort of an interesting, um, um, yeah, that was stunning. Um, it was almost, it was almost like the president wanted to surrender Afghanistan to the Taliban without even trying. Without even trying, you know, not even. I mean, they they just they just cut the bottom out of everything, you know, and said no no money for you guys, no nothing. We're leaving, and and they didn't even you know, and that and they almost guaranteed that uh, that this would happen. I would say that that conversation to me was sort of an interesting metaphor for Afghanistan where people at the top knew what they didn't say, but they knew. And so there you have it. That's 20 years condensed into about, I don't know how long the hearing was, but those set of questions was about 10 minutes. So yeah, you just you just got it into it like about seven words though, I think. Yeah. 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 Tim, your thoughts on attention. Let me make one let me make one comment. I mean, I I met a, a lot of people and, and I think they're very emblematic of us, uh, that had served in Afghanistan. And you talk about a, a difficult like couple months. You know that we now have something in common with Vietnam veterans that we never wanted it to 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 have, and that is we participated in a war that failed, and to watch it end the way it ended, and then with the casualties that we sustained at that airport. Um, uh, there's, uh, you know, uh, um, I'm lucky to have friends like this, right? That you can talk to and 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 pick up the phone and call, and we do, and and whatnot, and to to. So you compl- don't completely lose your mind, um, but I I would mention this in in in, in the discussion about in uh, in post traumatic winning about why you have to talk about your shit, not for anybody else. If you don't believe you need to do that, just look at the legacy of Vietnam veterans when they came home to a nation that didn't want to talk to them. Look at the look at their history of alcoholism, drug addiction, suicide, mental illness, and homelessness. You've got to talk about your shit for one person for you. Right, and and we're fortunate that we have great friends and and and, and can do this. But um, the number of people I talked to that served in Afghanistan that um, were so deeply bothered by the fact that, um, as Will said, you know, we failed, and it was also like it was like we willfully failed there. Yeah. That we could have like that, that we could have we could have right. sustained it, and 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 yeah, and yeah it would have cost us. You know, 
more casualties at some point when the Taliban decided, oh, you went back on your word? Okay, we'll kill you. Right. But, but you know, the, the the juice was certainly worth the squeeze. And But the, the impact of to see the number of people that, that talked and how deeply they were bothered by what they saw and, and whatnot, it was... Uh, you know, it's like as if it was. You're exactly right. There's so many good parallels, but it's worse in one way. It's as if in January of 1973, when the thing was all signed and sealed, and we were out of there. Even the advisors were out of there, and the POWs came home. It would be as if in February, before we even got the POWs back, the North Vietnamese took over instead of it taking them two more years to do it. You know what I mean? And uh, it was. We were still in there. It was so embarrassing, you know, they, that they uh, – and they had no idea that it was going to happen like that. I mean, weren't they talking to the Afghans? No, they weren't, we find out now. They weren't. They just said, fuck you, we're leaving. And you know what really bothers me is all those military guys that were in there, they just went along with it. And, you know, yeah, it's a good idea to leave 2500 That probably would have worked. You know, but uh, it, it's just humiliating. You know, and not necessary. All right, hold on. Like we just surrendered. Let me, right. Let me let me get back to Timmy. So, with that caveat, Timmy, your thought. <laughs> I paid particular attention to the explanation of why Bagram was not needed any longer, and why that was the right to, uh, decision to obviously it was the right decision to close Bagram. Um, and and I didn't really listen to too much else of, of, of that uh, of of the interviews. I, I saw some of the clips on YouTube, but they were lying. I, it, 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 when you see it in this swarmy self-assurance, the, the way that they're even presenting the information uh, uh, to me is disgusting. And and this story is not over. Now, t- today we find out, or yesterday we find out, they kicked off 50 people to get a stupid Toyota on there with, with, a, with a Zeus 23 cannon on the back. They left them at the airport. I know from talking to Michael uh, Yan today, because he was he was involved with the, uh, some of those people getting out uh, with that family that I was talking about. There was three busloads of American citizens at the gate with three planes there to pick them up, and they turned them away. American citizens. This is when the this is when Donahoe was loading his pilot's pickup truck and and making sure he got a portrait as the last man out. Um, when we. When we bailed out of that place, when we decided we're going to cut and run, when we abandoned Bagram, we didn't tell our allies. They had forces in there still. That's why those Brits were down in Kandahar. They had no clue that we were going to cut and run. We didn't even tell our allies. So this this hearing, I thought, was a despicable uh, pageantry of incompetence. It was not perceived that way by a majority of Americans. I don't think this story is over. I think this story is going to haunt them because what we did is there right now there are children from California in Kabul right now, hostages of the Taliban. We've got hostages in, in Afghanistan, hundreds. But we're, we're not going to we don't want to talk about that right now. And I think as there's this drip of information about how recklessly and amateurish this meal was conducted. As this comes out, I think there's going to be hell to pay. At least I hope so. But, yeah, but right I, now, I it seems like the I don't for, think for the average gonna, American, they're moving on. I don't think there's hell to, going to be hell to pay because nobody's going to beat the drum. Yeah, probably not. It's right. disgusting, though. This is a disgusting betrayal of everything that we be, we, we believe in, you know? I... I, I I don't think I can say it more strongly than that. I'll turn it over to Jeff. He's pretty worked up. 
No, he is. No, Jeff, I, no, what, you, so the things you... Well, the thing, well put, the uh, things you saw in the, the things you saw in the hearing, Jeff. Um, what did you see in the hearing that, that that changed the way you viewed the last sixty days in our exit? I have to say, it was the cross examiners, because they bring out stuff that you know I'm too dumb to think of. Like, uh, wait a minute, are you saying to me? Are you telling us right now? I think this was Holly, and I could be wrong. Are you saying that? You're not going to tell us what you told um, um, Bert Woodward and that other guy, him and all, him and all. But that basically, yeah, that's right. I think it's important that you know we, we maintain contact with. He was talking. To at least five guys were writing books, and most and half those books, the the point of the book was to shit on President Trump, who was before Biden. You know, and. Uh, this guy, you know, uh, he's a he's he's the opposite of General Marshall. He's the opposite of General Dunford. I can't imagine General Dunford ever sitting down with a fucking author and telling him shit about fucking President Obama or President, you know, uh, Trump or you know anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like that. I can't imagine that. You know, he's just too much of a fucking. Uh, and you wouldn't feel like you're like it is not condescending when he was talking to you to the American people. You didn't feel like he was talking down to you, talking in a condescending, right. almost resentful that he's got to explain this shit to the masses. Dumford, at least, was like a regular dude. Right. Miley's like an anti-human. I'm sorry. I just don't. The, the thing that gets me, though, and here's the suspicion you have, is, is that he's not really the exception, maybe. That's the fear you have, isn't it? That like now these guys are, uh, they're like, um, you know, they're 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 products of the environment of this like the this uh, kind of like a weird alliance between the uh, the people who you know who run the bureaucracies in D.C., the Democratic Party, and that you know, and then uh, the news media and even entertainment, they're all kind of like in this weird cabal where uh, you know the one thing that they don't want to do is let everybody know what they need to know why don't you just let the hey you're you're gonna you swore to tell the whole truth that means everything that means everything general then if you're not gonna do that then don't swear you know because i remember they had oliver north up there you know he swore i remember listening to it tell the whole truth nothing but the truth and if you're not gonna you take the fifth and those guys never took the fifth they just said i'm not gonna talk about that oh they're above the they're above fucking guys like Carlo Gambino or Jeff Kenny or, you know, uh, you know, Mike McNamara, who have to say, I am going to exercise my Fifth Amendment right. They're above those such petty concerns. I'm just not going to tell you this there, Senator. You know, that kind of infuriated me. What are you reading? Well. Yeah, so I read a bunch of books in the last month, but I'll tell you uh, a, a really interesting book was called, um, I think it's called My War in the Jungle. My War in the Jungle by a guy named G.M. Davis. He was a platoon commander with Kilo 39 in 1969. And you don't realize till about two-thirds of the way through the book, uh, when he gets wounded the second time, and the CG of the 3rd Mar Div gives him a direct order don't get wounded again 
and GM Davis was the son of Ray Davis. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and wow. Uh, it's, uh, okay, know, hold on, hold uh, on, hold on. We all, we all said, wow. And, and, and Timmy chuckled in, in admiration, but could you tell everybody who doesn't know who Ray Davis is, why we reacted like that? Yeah. Davis yeah. retired four star medal of honor winner in Korea. Right. Navy cross World War II. And, uh, and the only general to leave Vietnam with his reputation intact. Yeah, so Davis was a CG of 3rd Mar Div, and his son is a platoon commander in Kilo 3-9. And uh, the book is, um, you know, it's sort of just the facts, ma'am. He spent seven months uh, in the field. And uh, so that was one takeaway from it. The other takeaway... Hey, hey well, let me ask you. 3-9, I mean... Um, were they fighting? Because in '68, they're you know they're Contien, they're Leatherneck Square. Where are they in '69? Uh, Vandegrift Combat okay. Base. They were part of uh, what was the big operation that uh, Barrow did as a CO at Ninth? Dewey Canyon. Dewey Canyon. Yeah, Dewey, Dewey Canyon. And so they were part of that. And so he just describes again one takeaway. The CG had his son there. Uh, another takeaway is similar if you've read the book Matterhorn. He yeah. just describes the brutality of being a rifle platoon commander uh, in that environment. And um, um, you know that was a that was a, a war that. Uh, we, uh, I didn't see, that's for damn sure. I'm not sure anyone in Iraq saw it. I think some people in the mountains of Afghanistan may have seen a little bit of something like that. Um, uh, and it, it made me think, you know, um, could our Marine Corps of today, uh, fight that war? Right. Uh, that those guys fought, and it's uh, it's it's brand new book. I think it's only been out for a few months. I think maybe it came out this summer, and uh, it ain't going to get a lot of press. And it's not a you know it's not a great great book, but for right. for any for any marine, particularly any marine infantrymen, it's um, you know it's well worth adding to your Vietnam library. My War in the Jungle, sure. GM Davis. It's like Mac has said about that time and those guys. It's the closest thing we have since Korea, the first year in Korea, to peer-on-peer warfare. Because uh, Kilo 3-9, 3-9 in general, was down in the southern part of, uh, uh, you know, I-Corps until right before that the, the thing happened at Getland's Corner. They got moved north, and that's when the, and they stayed north, even after one horrific thing like Getland's Corner after another. They stayed up there, yeah. Yeah, I think they go from Getland's Corner back to uh, they rotate to Dong Ha, which was a division uh, mm-hmm. CP, and then um, and then um, what is the event that that is their their Sparrowhawk, which was the QRF, the aviation right. component for. Um, what's the big fucking event that, that was, uh, 
what am I thinking of? The Bravo Company. Well, was a Bravo One Four walks into north of Contien. Uh, a Bravo One Nine, dude. Walking Dead. Stuff. Walk, yeah, that that's, when, yeah, yeah that's, that that's whole Operation event. Buffalo. Operation Buffalo. The, then yeah. they sparrowhawk that, and so they go in and, on the ground and they fight that. Yeah. You know, and Timmy's dad would say. Timmy's dad would tell you, those are all battles over the fucking McNamara line, the trace. Right. No, no relation. Um, the, um, for sure, but yeah, so, and the way I find that out is I'm interviewing that guy, Jack Riley. And, um, and so Contien comes up and he goes, oh yeah. And he just throws it out as an aside. Yeah. We were the Sparrowhawk for, uh, Operation Buffalo. And I said, I said, what? (laughs) What? Exactly. Timmy, what? He said, yeah, we're just, like, kicking around Dong Han. All of a sudden, we get told to grab our shit, and we're going, and we go booming in, you know, and he talks about meeting the staff sergeant. Jeff, you talk about Burns. 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 He talks about meeting him as they land in the the trace. That's what they use for the LZ. They get off the birds, and they start moving north, and they run into this, this... this Sergeant Burns that had, that, had, that had put together this group of guys who survived that thing, and then they pushed north to get between them and the, the, the North Vietnamese. And, the last uh, company commander, Bravo, was the Staff Sergeant Leon Burns. Yeah. So it was, it was yeah, so that's how I, I, I know just a little bit of – I'm not yeah. that much of – Timmy's a Vietnam expert, so is Jeff. I'm not, but I know a little bit about more about Leatherneck Square uh, and, and – uh, you know, and and a lot of it because of Jack Riley, and a lot of it because because of Tim's dad. Uh, the interviews I did with him about uh, um, his article called "The Dead Went Last," and it's about the operation at LZ Margo. And in order right. in order That's to un- understand that, you know, I, I I sat down with Google Earth, and I had to I had to superimpose things from different maps on it. And once you begin to do that, you begin to understand. You know the the geography, and then the other thing is Will said. I mean, can you do this? I mean, you know the mountains of Vietnam with the heat and the humidity, you know, and and the load that that Marines carry today, it would never, it would never happen. You couldn't, you could not even even contemplate doing it. I mean, the Marines when you read Marlanis's stuff. The Marines of that period, they're wearing those, what was that, fiberglass flak jacket and a steel yeah. pot? Yeah. yeah. We had them when I first came in. That's the same ones we had when I first came in. Right. And, and, and fiberglass and, plates. And they said that, like, yeah, it's impossible to move under this, you know, in this shit up those hills. And that's, you know, that's Zenny's whole thing about their counter to mobility. For every one guy they saved, they killed nine guys in, in Vietnam, blah, 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 blah. But let me tell you. That stuff is nothing to compare compared to the load that that Marines and soldiers carry today, and to try to operate in that environment, yeah, you're, you're like you're like the proverbial snail, right, moving down. So anyway, uh, I just I remember our discussions in the '90s. You know, soldiers load mobility of a nation. We have to get the weight down, and then we, we find the out that down. Slam made all that shit up, right? That's I know. A, I, know. I mean, do you have a do you have a statistician's perspective on Slam now, Timmy? Uh, no, no. Statistically, we can't. He's, it, you can't rank order of Slam Marshall, so there's no ordinal relationship. So, so the hell with him. He doesn't fall within the normal statistical curves. Got it. But uh, my my book, I, I like. Well, I I read a bunch. I, I, one was was on the knife's edge, which is about the Germans in Ukraine, how they basically held that front together after Stalingrad, 
and I found that to be an interesting one. But the, but the one I'm on now is Isaac Storm, um, which is which is authored by a guy that we know, Eric Larson. I've read a few of his books, and it's about the Galveston hurricane, which is interesting. This is, I love this because I could, I use this in my my epidemiology class. At 1900 Galveston, the most up-to-date and the best-trained meteorologist America had was right there. Galveston was a big town, big place. The, the American Meteorological uh, um, Organization, which has just started, there was two things that the, that the guy that was in charge of that thing wouldn't do. He would never call a, 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 a storm a hurricane. He refused to. And he would not allow the Cubans to, to broadcast or forecast hurricanes because this one that hit Galveston in 1900, the Cubans were like, "Oh, that's a big one. It's going to kill you guys," and they 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 apps they they took the Cuban Weather Service off the wires. The the um uh, the Americans did. The the guy that was in charge of the of the weather at the time. I forget. I think it was under the Commerce in the Commerce Department at the time. So here's this guy Isaac Klein, who's an MD PhD in Galveston, watching this storm comes, and right up until the time it hits him, he's saying, "Ah, it's not going to be nothing," <laughs> and he survives only only because his house gets pulled apart. He saves his youngest child, loses a son, loses his wife. His brother still is still with him. I mean, they actually survived this thing. And what's the first thing that he and the weather service do when they realize that they've got 20,000 dead people and this is a major catastrophe. What's the first thing they do? They write a book. Lie through their ass. They lie. They, they lie. The guy, this guy, clients starts this thing about how he had warned people from the morning and he's probably saved 6,000 people, demonstrably untrue. And the weather service chief said, we issued a hurricane warning. We put the hurricane flag up at 11. It just got blew down on the hurricane. Another verifiable lie. And so the, the, our, our first reaction to our first little weather organization that we had on its very first catastrophe was to blatantly lie. And, and I, I just, I just, it's just unbelievable. And they well, got away with it. What's actually very interesting about that storm is, is that it actually, it couldn't have happened, right? Mm -hmm. Because there was no global warming back then and only bad <laughs> storms only happen now. This and is the even so better wow. point. Wow. That's a great point when you get into statistics uh, to show the idiocy of the people that are saying that global warming or climate change will ruin our policy. Listen, so I'm, in, I'm, doing this, I'm doing this stuff for class, right? I'm giving, this, I'm, I'm giving a talk about this in class. And I said, now, in 1900, they had had all these consecutive 100-degree days. It was one of the hottest summers in record, I said, which was surpassed by the 1901 heat wave, which is in Wikipedia. It killed so many people. All, all of these, by the way, were statistically much longer heat spells than anything experienced in our lifetimes. And they're like, well, wait a second, because we're in the midst of the hottest one. And I know from reading that Stephen Kuhn's book that, that Will mentioned a few, uh, a few months ago, I'm like, yeah. They started recording that in 1930 on a 30-year average, so so that of course it's, it doesn't. They don't even count the 1900-1901 heat wave as part of this. Look at this global warming. They started the clock in 1930 in the middle of a cold spell. Remember that explanation in that the unsettled science? Absolutely. Yeah, it's all. And so I, I point this out because my teacher is is like, well, you know, it's obviously the climate's changing. He's like. He's terrified of COVID, and I just torture him with the facts. I love it. I like being in college now. 
I'm a awesome, I'm a incredibly disruptive student as yeah. far as the status quo. One, one could only like, yeah. one could only imagine. Yeah. Jeffrey, what are you what are you reading? Well, I have to tell you, I don't read new books. I reread old books, and unless it's a book like Timmy or Will or you recommend, because they're the same reason I wake up early. It's the death thing. I don't want to be reading a shit book and I die. So I'm rereading this book I read the first time. I read it when we were in Egypt in 1989, me and Will and, and a bunch of other guys in Lima 38, called The Black Lights by Thomas Hauser. It's a boxing book. It's about uh, the manager, manager team that was in charge of Jerry Cooney. After Jerry Cooney, while he was get, doing his thing, you know, getting his stuff up to fight, Larry Holmes, as he ultimately lost. They had a junior fighter named Billy Costello, who was very good. They're trying to get him his fights. And uh, he kept getting screwed by the fact that Jerry Cooney was the big draw, even though he wasn't that good of a fighter. And so he eventually gets to fight for the title. And uh, he wins the title, but it's not that big. He's a junior welterweight, which is like 140 pounds. And so then he fights this guy named Saul Mamby. He was a tough fucker came down a weight class to fight him. And you guys, if you ever saw the movie uh, Raging Bull, he's the guy who played Sugar Ray Robinson. He drew boxers in that movie. The tall lamp type guy. And it was a great book about how these guys trained and the disappointments of not getting fights you thought you were going to get. And people have to This guy saw Mombi had to step in at the last minute. And it was a vicious fight. I remember that fight watching it. You know, in like 1983, it was very good. But they talk about other things, too. You know, like uh, the uh, they talk about guys like Jake LaMotta and, uh, and and even all the way back to Max Bear, whose son was Jethro on Beverly Hillbillies. You remember that. But Max Bear was the guy who was the champ in the movie, uh, champ in the movie uh, um, uh, Cinderella Man. Right. But uh, there's such there's a, such a thing. And Timmy will know this. You know, there's not not every good fighter has a knockout punch. Oh no, hell a no! Knockout punch is something that is you can be as strong as shit, and uh, it's got to have a snap that you got. It's almost like something that God gives you. It's hard to train somebody to get it. Like for instance, Jake Lamada, he had 106 fights. He won all except for like maybe 17 or 18 of them, but he only had about 30 knockouts because he just didn't have that. He would he would beat a guy half to death, but uh, you know he just didn't have that snap. So he just pounded the guy to, to almost, you know, the guy at the end of the fight he wouldn't be able to move for like two weeks. But he just didn't have that thing going for him. And this and this black lights thing, it, you know, is good for that if you're a boxing fan. You know, it, it talks about the whole uh, ethos. It's kind of the ethos that we expose a little bit during the room of pain. You know, where these guys once they have the fight. The guy they like the most in the whole fucking world is the guy who either they beat or beat them because they went through something, you know, very hard, you know. And uh, so it was, it was really good for that. And uh, when I was a kid, my dad took me to this bar in Middletown before I could drink. I wouldn't drink. I'd sit there. And the bar was owned by Willie Pep. I don't know if any of you guys know who he was. He was a famous lightweight champion and uh, in the 40s, right, 40s and early 50s. And uh, but there's a guy who used to sit there called the encyclopedia. The guy knew everything about boxing. I mean, he knew Joe Lewis's 
wife's mother's name. You know what I mean? He, he just knew everything about it. And so remind me of that. So it was a, you know, a good thing. And if other people are listening who are into boxing, they'll know, you know, that book black lights by Thomas Hauser is uh, very good. If you're into that type of thing. Yeah. And I would just say that everyone knows that everything that Jeff just said is a lie because I was on that <laughs> ship and I did not own that book. So I don't know where he would have got it. So it was, it was spellbinding though. It was, it was one of the better lies you've told recently. <laughs> I don't know. If he stole it from cause he didn't steal it from me cause I didn't have it. So I don't think he read my that wife book. bought it from the PX. He sent to me. <laughs> you sir. But I don't know. I, I think I I had stolen one of your books on the ship called the Fatal Shore. Or remember that? Oh, that Australian book. You stole yeah. that from me. No, no, no. That <laughs> you weren't on me. that ship. He stole it from me. I hadn't met you yet, Timmy. I, I stole that one from Will. You know, you've stolen a lot of books in your life when you've stolen so many that you don't even remember who you've stolen them for anymore. And this is such well, a I'm gonna, canard. I've never I'm stolen gonna, anything. I'm going to reveal a secret here. Uh-oh. You know, after I left Lima Company, I went up to uh, the basic school. And then, like, a year and a half, two years later, Jeff needed orders. And so I helped him get to the basic school to actually work for me. And the only reason was is so that I could get all of the get books, books back, back that he'd stolen from me <laughs> for the previous three that. years. I stole more of his books up there in Quantico. <laughs> well, well, pl- well played, Will. Well played, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right, boys. That will uh, that will do it. Um, thank you very much for the time tonight. And uh, more Bombing Radio yep. coming up next right here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. And that'll do it on a Thursday. My thanks to. Uh, Will, Tim, and Jeff are coming on. And uh, I think they're going to come back tomorrow. We're going to talk about the uh, the investigations that were just released. And I have to tell you, it's... Uh, I don't understand, as I said at the start of this. If you are responsible for something and it goes wrong, how do you, how do you escape all blame for it? And so we'll talk about that tomorrow. So, um, <clears throat> thanks for listening on this Thursday. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. If you have a chance to stick your hand through the darkness of somebody's life and, 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 and change it, don't be afraid to do that. And if you need help, just come to this website. The contact information will get you to me, and I'll be more than happy to help you. On that note, I am out. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.